Oh, hello, everybody. I'm Del Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins. And this is the Del and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay. Hey, hey, hey. hey, how are ya? Uh, I'm so good, y'all. I'm so excited. We have a fun show of LGBTQ news and nonsense. QAnon queen Marjorie Taylor Greene, Tucker Carlson, a videographer villain, gays on the knot, a church letter that you just have to hear Del Shores read. And then we have a very special guest today, Paul Southwick, the director of the Religious Exemption Accountability Project, will be joining us to talk about their lawsuit on behalf of queer students at Christian colleges and universities. A guest that's professional. Yeah, and, and, and you know, if, if we have a guest, y'all, you know it's important because we don't we don't usually like guests. I mean, we, we, we said, it's just too much trouble. There's, oh God, we have to send them that link, get a picture. So we, are, we really are excited about Paul. We are long past sharing this stage. But I'm, I'm, we talked about it, and I'm just so excited about what he's doing. His background is similar to ours, and he's really working on behalf of a very specific kind of student that is definitely our background. So we'll wade through some of the nonsense, and then he will join us a little later. And some things that are not so nonsensical. Some, Speaking, some important but starting, starting with nonsense. Yes, please. And I know where you're going announced that she's going to run for governor of California. And I'm so tired. Oh, my God. She 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 said, I'm running. And I said, shut up. I just like, shut the fuck up. I am so. And, you know, y'all, let's just be real clear. Emerson, uh -huh. and I, you look at this show. You know how passionate we are about trans rights. We don't like Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, well, that, my question is. Who is her target audience at this point? Okay, Assholes. voting for Trump and being a MAGA Republican trans woman lost the queer community. There's lots of bigot Republicans who won't like her because she's a trans woman. Like, who is the voting base? What weird group of like liberal, oh, you know who it is. It's those people who say, I'm a social liberal and fiscal conservative. You know, those. Well, that's exactly what she, she claims to be, uh, yet she continues to vote against her own rights by embracing the Republican Party. She continues to vote against all of our rights, anybody that's any of the letters, the LGBTQ plus, all of us. So uh, I, I feel like, I mean, we disagree on this because we've talked about it a little uh, today, but I felt like, oh, the Kardashians premiered. She's not allowed to be on there. She's got to get a little attention, got to get trending. So it's, it's a little bit of an attention grab, in my opinion. But you think she's, she's oh, there? Oh, yeah. You think it's just attention. And no, I think that there, she's up on that mountaintop in Calabasas or Malibu playing golf and thought, you know what? If Arnie Schwarzenegger can do it, by God, I can too. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And 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 there is some validity to that. But I mean, yeah. I mean, but let's face it. I mean, you know, we were all like, "Oh, please, are are we? Is he fucking getting us?" I remember when it was. Yes, we know he won. Um, and uh, the difference is this. I mean, there's a, there's a few differences. Uh, but one of the main differences is that, uh, we really had a horrible Democrat governor at that point who was absolutely doing nothing. And I do feel like that 
Gavin Newsom has made some horrible mistakes and I have tweeted him and said, you hypocrite, stop it. Uh, I have. I'm I, sure, I'm sure, I never got anything back from him. He never said, he said, Dale, I'm real sorry. I'm sorry I did that dinner party. He never I'm wrote surprised that. You didn't get a response to your opinion on his trip to that laundry place. Well, it certainly hasn't ha stopped him from asking me for money. I will tell you that. Uh, that's the only time I hear from him. I go, oh, he's responded to, 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 to my bad tweets. Oh, no, no, no. He's just asking for $3. Uh, right. but, but California has turned around in a huge, big way. I mean, we were blasting him over the COVID, the COVID uh, mostly, but uh, it has turned around and we're doing really, really well right now. But it is, and it's good, and we have to hold even leaders we support accountable for their hypocrisy. And it was horrifying to see him out at that dinner with a lobbyist while so many people are stuck at home dealing with mental health issues brought on by being alone for two, you know, that's really real and that was really right. But Caitlyn Jenner is not the solution. No, Caitlyn Jenner is not the solution. And I'm just wondering, has anybody else, Emerson, you know more than I do because you follow, uh, well, I don't know, uh, a lot of stuff more than me. But um, do is has anyone else thrown their hat into the ring? I mean, Richard motherfucking Grinnell has not, has he? He has not said it officially. There is actually, I was reading this morning, I believe there's a female porn star, Mary something. Somebody look that up, Erica. Uh, there, <laughs> Erica is our, our go-to uh, source material. She works our, for the show now. <laughs> she's our live show research assistant. Yes, we should just give her credit right now. Erica is part of the Dylan Emerson show. She is live research assistant. Thank That's you, right. Erica. Now, I hadn't seen, because the way the ballot works is there's two pieces to it, right? There's one, do you want to recall the governor? And if so, then who would you like to replace them with? So you have to, you have to win the recall on the ballot before it matters even who's running uh, to replace him. Right, right, right. That's so you know what, Caitlin, spend all your money. Just spend it, I don't give a fuck. Just spend it, put it, put it back in. You know, it's something, it just, let's just consider it a, a stimulus, just a stimulus for the economy that Caitlin Jenner is running for governor of California. Uh-huh, sure, yep. All right, we will stop this rant. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's enough. And we're not mentioning it again until the actual ballot happens okay okay that's a commitment i will i will i will um i'll raise my hand we'll break yeah. it she'll do some nonsense at a campaign event and we won't be able to not talk about it uh um, well, i did do i did do something i have to admit to you this week uh emerson and and i'm sorry i, I cut you off but um i i i made a commitment for one week not to go to trending to see why i can like treat tweet hate to so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, because you know when Tucker Carlson is trending, you know it's not a good reason. When you know Ted Cruz is trending, you know it's not a good reason. I kept it for six days, okay? And then Caitlyn Jenner threw her hat into the ring. There you go. All right, well, on to our news, news, news stories. Uh, starting off, because we this is really important and we want everyone to be able to keep their head wrapped around our bills, bills, bills segment of where the anti-trans legislation is. It's a mix this week, weirdly, of continuing negativity and a few surprising positive moments. I just said suppositive, like it was going to be a suppository. Did you hear that? Suppositive. Yes. Um, but 
Uh, genuinely good news. In Arizona, Governor Doug Ducey vetoed that LGBTQ and sex education bill we talked about on Tuesday. He called it broad and vague and concerned about limiting uh, sex education to fifth grade for abuse prevention education reasons. At the same time, though, he issued an executive order that went further than the legislation asked in requiring all sex education curriculum to be posted online for parents to review. So they the review process will be much more complicated, but at least a win uh, that the bill didn't pass. In Florida, uh, the bill on trans girls and women in sports has likely died in their state Senate. The NCAA statement had a big impact. Uh, so we are seeing some states start to drop their pursuit of these bills. In North Dakota, Republican Governor Doug Burgum surprisingly vetoed the trans student athletes bill, saying it's not a problem and has too many unforeseen circumstances. And yesterday, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly did the exact same thing. So bills struck down by the governors. And in both of those states, it does not seem likely that they will be able to override those vetoes because they didn't pass the first time with a veto-proof majority. So in North Dakota and Kansas, it looks like those bills are dead thanks to their governors. And then out of Louisiana, Governor there, John Bell Edwards, has promised that he will veto any unnecessary discriminatory legislation. So it seems like some of the business pressure, the pressure from the NCAA in states that have that make big money from those events, are swinging the tide of some of these pieces of legislation uh, into a into the negative category. So there is exciting movement thanks to the activists on the ground there and the pressure from the NCAA and businesses. And that's exciting. Yeah, that's a really good update. When you sent me this this morning, I was going, good, 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 good. And, and I don't know if y'all know this, but I mean, I was down there when the, the race was going on, but uh, John Bell Edwards is actually a Democrat in Louisiana, which is crazy. Oh. Uh, mm -hmm. So, um, so that 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 that's helpful. That is helpful. Yes. To have that veto power. Um, all right, and uh, more politics, uh, politics, politics. I, I think I said politics. Uh, uh -huh. I didn't. Wait, this is our show about politics and suppositive things. But I, I I will get in trouble if I say politics and then talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene. They go, Dale said politics. I said I, I, it was a mistake. It was a mishap. So QAnon Queen, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene has uh she's had quite a week y'all on monday she came uh, she came dragging for the drag queens just tweeting someone should be arrested and charged uh hashtag save the children over a tweet that said that children were at a drag club in la right here in our city y'all oh uh, i didn't even know that there were clubs open uh it wasn't here oh in louisiana no where she thought the story thought it was but oh it was in florida Oh, it was in Florida. So, oh, I see, I see, I see. She got confused just like I did. Uh, there were, we, that's the only thing we have in common, y'all, is confusion. Uh, so these kids were just paraded across the street, the street, of the stage by a drag queen, uh, urging them to pose and strut for cash. Uh, ooh, the article had a video by noted bigot Angela Staten King from the Palace Club in South Beach. In the video, you can see two little girls walking and posing with a drag queen, so cute, at a show. The manager told her the kids' parents had allowed it and that their venue was open to anybody. Love and acceptance for everybody, y'all. Um, one of the things that launched Green to the national level was protesting 
drag queen story hours in libraries. She had harassed a librarian, then streaming a 90 minute video from the library complaining about these drag queens who were just, 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 just tainting our children, just, just infiltrating them with the devil. So this week she uh, also spent days trying to get people on board to expel Maxine Waters. Well, good luck with that. Maxine Waters from, from Congress. Then Wednesday she tweeted, I'm glad I ran into you today, AOC, to plan our debate about the Green New Deal after I finished reading all 14 pages, like we agree, agreed, I'll schedule time for our debate. So y'all just know that this is going to take a while. 14 pages for Marjorie Taylor Greene. That's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. I laughed so hard at that 14 pages after I read all 14 pages. Ooh. The average length of a bill in Congress is 15 pages. So she should be reading this amount on a regular basis. And it was like 14 hours later that she tweeted something like, I read your communist manifesto. You know, communism's real big on saving the planet, apparently. Uh, and it was like one hour per page between the time she tweeted, I'll read it, and when she tweeted that she'd finished. And I thought, okay, well, maybe reading comprehension, we're working on it. Well, or, or she has to copy and paste it into one of those programs that read it back to you. You know, <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know that real stilted robotic thing? Yes, yes. It's hard to digest that. Bless her bigoted heart, as Emerson Collins' T-shirt once was for sale. But it's like, but it's like what you said. The article said this club in L.A. It wasn't in L.A. It was in Miami. Angela Stanton King is a big old bigot who has a trans daughter. I believe she's on an upcoming episode of Doctor Phil where they took her there, and she just went on a big transphobic rant. And I think she got banned from Twitter, and that's how it got all the way up to Marjorie Taylor Greene who started her whole career protest in drag queen story hours. And I just don't understand that. It's just a clown reading your kid a book. It's exactly right. It's so entertaining. I, you know, Emerson, you've seen me walk my dogs. They're looking for a fight. They're just looking for something to just do. Just looking. That's Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's walking around looking, just ready to snap. Oh, not that. Not a communist. Oh. Well, and they took her off all her committees, so she's got nothing to do. That's why she spent a whole week trying to expel Maxine Waters, like that was going to happen. Like, and, just, and, and and well, she had that reading assignment too. I mean, don't that's a lot of homework. Whew, she's busy. She was busy. I appreciate your high energy this afternoon. Well, I did a line of coke right before. The I was show. about to say, did you take a provisional? What happened? <laughs> there it is. You all. Was anybody else a little stressed out as he read that story? It was like, oh, oh, and then she, and then she, and then where's the next? I'm like, oh, you know, it's usually me that's worried about talking too fast. I was like, you're about to come through my computer screen. Well, you know what? I was uh, probably, I'm just driving Blake. Poor Blake. Is he there? I'm no, sorry. No, I sent him away. I sent him away. I said, we got to write and do a show today. You might should go. He says like, I just, it's time for my hour walk. Uh -huh. uh, well, he schedules walks and hikes for this I have time. to admit something. During this uh, time of recovery from my shoulder, which, by the way, is so good, such mobility, doing so well, but I get so fatigued around this time every day. I crash at 4 o'clock. So I went out to lunch with our friend Dave Kirkpatrick, and I said, hey, you want a coffee? Just so I could manipulate him into pulling into Starbucks, and I, you know, like you do, the same way. It's the same thing. I learned it from you, Emerson. Going on that app, bam, bam, bam. Walk in, it's ready for you. 
And so I started drinking this about an hour ago and I'm still drinking it and it really kicked in. So I, um, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I'll back you don't down. need to apologize. I'm enjoying it. It's usually me reading a mile a minute, trying to make sure we get everything in, and you own it today. I know Rob once told us to slow down. Rob, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Rob. <laughs> that ship has sailed. Uh, all right. Well, continuing on in the brigade, bigot brigade. I don't usually give this man any air, but this story is worth talking about this time. Tucker Carlson, one of the worst of the Fox News blowhards went on a very bizarre rant on a recent show about a Washington Post columnist who he said was contacting old college classmates digging for dirt. On the show, he said, Jeff Bezos had one of his minions, a mentally unbalanced middle-aged man called Eric Wimple, pull our dusty college yearbook and call around and see if we'd done anything naughty at the age of 19. Well, it was shown the next day, and I'm gonna show you the page of the yearbook, uh, what was listed under Tucker Carlson in the yearbook, this little highlighted section you can't read, is where people list their activities. So uh, Tucker Carlson was a member of Christian Fellowship all four years, years one, two, three, four, the Jesse Helms Foundation, Whoa. and then the last thing is the Dan White Society. Now, a number of people checked online to see if there was anything else this could be in reference to, and it does not seem that there is, nor has he said anything to discount it, Dan White is the guy who murdered Harvey Milk. Mm. So whether a joke, whether some inside thing, I guess I'm not usually one to drag out. I don't care about people's tweets from 10 years ago. We all do better. We all learn. I've been terrible. I try to do better. But Tucker Carlson is still specifically terrible and racist and homophobic and transphobic today. So it demonstrates a pattern. But so member of a society of the man who murdered Harvey Milk along with the mayor at the time. And activist Jeremy Hooper, who I follow, also from the same era, found a letter to the editor uh, that Tucker had written uh, during this time period as well, where he was extremely upset at the idea that you call anyone who objects to homo homosexuality a homophobe. He wrote in the letter, I, for one, think sex acts between two gay people of the same sex between two people of the same sex is unnatural and unhealthy. Still, I don't hate gay people at all. Some are friends of mine. I don't even feel like I misunderstand them. I just think that objectively speaking, homosexual acts are wrong. That I should be classified as homophobic because of my opinions on sexual ethics is infuriating and unfair. So even way back when, he was incredibly upset in 1990 that when he said things that were homophobic, they were called so. It's just so dark. You know, I've made horrible jokes. I've made offensive jokes. I have learned things and done better. But that's just the kind of joke he was making in the 89, 90. And you still see that in the stories he tells on his show nightly to one of the largest audiences watching a talking head, quote, news show. Um, and it represents a through line through his career rather than the change, you know, that we see of other people. But here's something <laughs> The, the the what's what's the word I'm looking for the here's the rub with Tucker Carlson is that he has done such horrible things I mean remember all of that radio show the mis misogynistic uh, things that he he said in his voice 
it doesn't seem like there's anything that he can do for Fox to reprimand him to or or to to put him off the air because he's just too profitable. It's all about money. I mean, yeah. he's got the number one show in the nation. Yeah. So, um, you and, know. and just saying whatever to make a big audience, you know. And besides Richard Grinnell, I don't think anyone calls Tucker Carlson that's a homosexual a friend. I mean, oh, Tucker Carlson's my friend. I've never heard that. Never heard that come out of anybody's mouth. I mean, he managed to find those tokens that are happy to uh, stand up and be the different. I'm not that kind of gays uh, to come in and say something to support. Uh, well, any gay friend of Tucker Carlson will never be a friend of mine. I'll just say that right now. I'm just going to put that out there. That's so, right. I, I'm gonna. We should send that to them. We should write them little notes. So just so you know, you've lost Del Shores as a friend. Yeah. Don't don't come running to me if you're friends with Tucker Carlson. Do not even. Part, part of me hopes Richard Grinnell runs for governor of California just so you can go to an event. Oh, I'd love to go. I'd love to. Run, I'd love to run into that motherfucker over in Palm Springs. I am not above throwing a drink in somebody's face and then running. Just running like Leslie Jordan did in that Starbucks. Uh, <laughs> Come on, we gotta get. It's, um, you know, I've never been arrested, but I think I would. I would. I would. I would not. If I were be, to be arrested, they said Del Shores was arrested for throwing a drink in Richard Grinnell's face at you know at Hunter's in Palm Springs. I go okay, yeah, they hauled me off. Yeah, um, there's. I wouldn't want to risk it most places, but you might be able in Palm Springs to you know not have the worst experience in that encounter. Yeah, maybe. All right, well, here's a very good story. And I love, just love this one so much, Emerson. It's a Mean Girls star, Jonathan Bennett, who's so cute, and his fiance, TV host, James Wan, who's also so cute, have become the first same-sex couple to be featured on the cover of the wedding magazine, The Knot. Uh, there, there they are. Is that the cutest thing? Uh, Bennett po posted, thank you to everyone at The Knot for not only helping us tell our story, but for telling the story of our community uh, from living in misery in the closet for a decade to being on the cover of the biggest wedding magazine in the world, living loudly and proudly with my fiance is something I would never have imagined. I can only think about how younger me would feel in small town Ohio, standing in line with his mom at the grocery store and looking over to see two men in love on a wedding, in love on wedding. That doesn't make sense. Two kids on a wedding magazine. There's an extra. Uh, representation matters. And if you go, just go to Queerty and 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 just look at the video that they posted. It is just a it's just a beautiful beautiful love story. And uh, it's it's like a movie. It's like a Broadway musical, y'all. Yes, it is. Did I calm down a little bit? And, you did. And, was... and just so y'all know, I, I made a joke about, did I did a line of cocaine. I, I am, y'all, I'm way fucking too old to be doing any kind of recreational drugs, except every now and then, you know, five milligram edible. That's it. That's all I can handle these days. As people, your head would explode. That would oh, I cannot do any more. No uppers for me. That's right. The um, no, and I love it. And you know, firsts in different places, um, and it's exciting. And of course, two handsome white cis gay men. Uh, but you're thinking about the wedding industry is a giant industry, and there's so many magazines, and seeing us represented there, uh, it, step by step, which ties us to because this next story represents the opposite end of that. 
I want to show you a photo of these two uh, women. It's because it's very sweet. The uh, look at that. Uh, it's just the sweetest uh, little lesbian wedding. But unfortunately, they had a frustrating experience. Cla Cla Clarissa Templeton and her fiance Tegan worked two jobs to afford their dream wedding at a farm in North Carolina. They booked a videographer through Tolman Media 10 months in advance, signed a contract. A month out, videographer Seth Carl emailed to get to know them. Well, Clarissa wrote on Facebook afterwards, she saw him at the venue when she got there that morning, it all seemed fine. But when Tegan came down the aisle to meet her, she didn't see him and she panicked. Afterwards, still photographer said he left because of his faith and that he didn't feel comfortable because it's a same-sex marriage. Clarissa said, I felt terrible, heartbroken, and like my heart was ripped out of my chest. We didn't even eat at our own reception. I honestly wanted the entire day to be over. I didn't want to be there anymore, and neither did Tegan. Afterwards, Tolman Media had sent a replacement videographer, but they arrived hours later, of course, refunded their money, fired this videographer, Seth Curl, and promised to adopt a non-discrimination policy. But Clarissa posted later that Seth, the videographer, did know their orientation in advance and his actions were intentional. She said, our out-of-town guests, dear family and friends were unable to attend our wedding due to COVID. They were heartbroken that they couldn't come to the wedding in the first place. And then heartbroken once again, when they found out there would be no video. You know, when we talk about, you know, pizza or ordering a wedding cake, and of course you can just go somewhere else. But this mindset, this man said yes, and then showed up to make a point. That is so far past your, the generic brand of bigot we often talk about, this person came intentionally to wield their faith hatefully at somebody, to intentionally it, it, make their day worse. Just a vile, is a vile human being. And when you go back to the message of Christ, which is, you know, this atheist practices that it's about love. It, ultimately, it's about love. And the fact that he, you know, they always say, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? He would not act like that. He would not act like that. He would have brought those 12 disciples and they'd been making wine for those lesbians. Yeah. That's well, and you think about and it's shameful. And, it's, and they cannot get it back. You know, no. there is no, no video of that day. That no. this is a day for the rest of their life. And they will always think about that this man will be tied to their memory of their wedding forever. That's the part I hate for them. You know, when you have something happen on a certain, you know, some the day your a parent dies, you know, tragic events become tied to things and that this man will forever color the day of their wedding. It's like, I wish there was a way to like give that, to like do a do-over, you know, to let them have a new memory of that. That kind of bigotry attached to their expression of love. I wonder if Seth Carl has been, besides being fired, if he has uh, had any other, you know, hate spewed back at him for for this. I mean, I mean they, they released his name. Yeah, his name's in the story. So I'm sure ambitious to, to people have found him to let him know. I might do some digging after the show. All, All right. right. Now, this next one, it's a little long, but it was too good to not let you read this whole thing. Okay, and you know I'm jacked up on coffee, so we'll- I was gonna uh, say, breathe, give dramatic weight, don't rush, don't rush the performance. Okay, okay, I'm feeling uh -huh. it. Uh -huh. Crystal Cox, sounds like a drag queen. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Cox owns the hair bar in Georgia and has been a stylist for 20 years. She and her husband divorced and started and she started dating women and she now has a girlfriend. Good for her. Well, the elders of the Woodstock Church of Christ, look at them, they're cute, sent her a letter about it. And here is most of that letter. Dear Crystal Cox, as elders of the Woodstock congregation, we have the responsibility to watch out for the souls of each member of this organization in this congregation. As we have previously stated, we feel it is crucial to remind you that our Lord considered it vital that no one can be involved in homosexuality and be a pleasing in, in a pleasing relationship with God. In light of your apparent lack of desire to hear our concerns, apparent lack of willingness to repent, and the public display of your homosexual lifestyle, we have no alternative but to withdraw our fellowship with you and must no longer treat you as a sister in Christ. Please understand, this is an effort to encourage you to a godly sorrow leading to repentance. This Hold great on, Thomas. Thomas, what is this foghorn leghorn southern choice? Well, today? well it's, it's Georgia, and so I'm channeling uh, our dear friend Bobby Reardon. I, I'm trying to hear, you remember how Bobby's, uh, Dale, this is Bobby Reardon, how are you? Okay, so this, this greatly saddens us because while we can no longer fellowship you as a sister, we do care for your soul. Our prayer is that one day you will repent and return to the Lord. When that day comes, we will receive you with open arms and love you like a father received his errant son in the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. If we fail to hear from you by April 30th, we would understand that you are not repentant and do not desire to be forgiven for your sinful behavior. That being the case, an announcement to the effect will be made to the Woodstock Church of Christ on the following Sunday. We will announce that we have withdrawn fellowship from you following efforts to establish a dialogue to persuade you to repent. Your name will be removed from our membership role until you make life right with the Lord. Crystal, it is our sincere hope that our fellowship will one day be restored. When that day comes, the rejoicing of the Woodstock Church of Christ will only be exceeded by the rejoicing in heaven. Luke 15, 10. Until that day comes, you will not be considered a member of the Church of Christ. In Christ's service, the Woodstock people. Crystal will not be returning to the Woodstock Church of Christ. I needed to include almost the entire letter today because first, first off, Crystal's fine, but the number of things throughout, first of all, I see these four men and they signed it. And Crystal posted the letter on her Instagram with the letter, their signatures, and these men's phone numbers underneath their names. I'm not posting it because like, uh, but the I just can't imagine the phone calls and texts these men must have gotten and one good for her. But they put a deadline on her salvation. If April, we do not hear from you by April 30th, it will be in the morning announcements that we can no longer fellowship with you. But we will welcome you back like the Lord, like he welcomed back the prodigal son until that date. Okay. I was like, all we were missing was killing the fatted calf.
Kill the fatty calf, kill, okay, kill the old red rooster. I just remember this musical about that. Well, now, um, what did do you have any of the elders' names? I wanted to know one of their names. I want to call one up. Yeah, hold, hold on, I'll share. Let me see. I've got the, I put the yeah. two that I can show without, without showing their phone numbers. Uh, Eric Dotson and Gary Kyle. Oh, oh, whoop, the phone numbers are there. I didn't mean to do that. Oh, please. No, 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 because that we become the losers when you dox and harass people like you can reach out to the church, call in somebody. Mm -mm. OK, so it, so if I call the church and I yes. try to have some dialogue, y'all are OK yes. with that. If I call yes. up, uh, I just want to call on April 29th and I want to try to record it and maybe we could play it. And I want to ask them. I would say. I'm so concerned about Crystal Cox. Did she repent? Is she coming back? Are we going to have to withdraw her membership? Please. I just want to go to the hair bar and have a session with Crystal and hear her talk about it. I'm going next time. I next time I'm in Atlanta. It's Atlanta, right? Oh, it's in Georgia. I don't know what city. Uh, maybe Woodstock. Uh, I think. I think it's like suburb. It's Atlanta area, though. Yeah. I just might have to go get my lashes and brows dyed by Crystal. And just and we might just sing hymns and change them to you know drinking hymns like we look. You inspired everybody. They said, "Let's all call." Leanne said, "I called the Woodstock Church and left a message." They have taken down their website. I think all of their social media has been turned off since Crystal published the story. Can I just say, "Yay, yes. Crystal! Yay, Crystal!" Absolutely. But also the goal of these four men, you know, they sat around and they thought they sent her the most loving letter. It's I always go back to it's that love the sinner, hate the sin bullshit again, you know, where it's like we care for your soul while we are also giving you a deadline past which you are no longer welcome in our community. You know, that 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 juxtaposition, that hypocrisy that, yes, we often laugh at. But the people in the situation, it sounds like Crystal's fine, but so often people are given those kind of ultimatums related to their communities, related to their behavior. Nobody says you divorce that man, you can't come back to this church. Like whatever no, your no, view of no, sin. No, no, yeah, don't get me started. I could listen, you're wearing polyester. Do not sit there, Sister Beavis. That's right. Uh, I don't know about that shrimp cocktail. So so real real quickly, I don't ever think I've told you this, Emerson, but years ago, I when I first came to LA, I attended the First Baptist Church of Beverly Hills, which is really in West Hollywood, so it's a bit pretentious. So I was still on their their role, the role. And uh they said two things. They sent me, they sent me uh and after I wrote Southern Baptist Sissies, they had sent me this uh this reunion thing, put, you know, come to the reunion. And I put, I, I wrote them explicitly say, take me off the roll. Well, then I did an interview with when we did the, the um, I think it was the revival of sissies and the LA times contacted them and asked them is, is Del Shores is, was he a member of this church? We just want to verify. And they said, the pastor said, yes. And we still pray for him. And I was like, stop, just fucking stop praying for me. Yes. One of my most successful early tweets was, you can all stop praying for me. Apparently my gay is stronger than your God. Oh, that's a good one. That's a, oh, that that's a t-shirt if I ever saw one. I just used to get so tired of that. You're in my prayers. Don't, please no, don't. don't. Please don't. It's a waste of your time and energy. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, he has, he's been watching since the beginning of the show and he has not left. 
Uh, so genuinely. Or laughed. Uh, no, yeah, and if we, he's, he laughed at you a bunch. Okay, good. I'm just, I um, but it very serious, and it relates to that story and to our one of our big things of our work. So I'm very excited. Um, you will please help us welcome Paul Southwick is the director of the Religious Exemption Accountability Project we talked about. He's an attorney. He testified for the successful ban on conversion therapy in Oregon. He's represented many LGBTQ plus students in trailblazing legal cases at the U.S. Department of Education, in court and mediations, and been recognized as one of the best LGBTQ plus attorneys under 40 by the National LGBT Bar Association. We are incredibly excited to welcome to the show, Paul Southwick. Hello, Paul. Thanks for that great introduction. I'm glad we didn't run you off. Yeah, no, you guys are really smart and entertaining. So this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, you were like after five minutes, you go, "Ooh, what did I get myself into?" Right. (laughs) We promise we'll be professional-ish. Your background actually matches a lot of ours, doesn't it? You went to George Fox before becoming an attorney, right? Share with the people how you got to here. Yeah, so I went to a conservative Christian college, small little liberal arts school out in Oregon, and I was closeted at the time, uh, you know, doing what we called struggling with the sin of same-sex attraction. That was, uh, we, we always like to use that term. And it got real bad, you know, it got really, really bad. And I had some panic attacks. And so I had to talk to my campus pastor and he said, your struggle is with the devil and we're going to put you in conversion therapy. And so that's what I did. How long were you in it, Paul? Two years, Uh, two years. It was a program. It was the first time I met other gay people. So that was kind of (laughs) cool. But I was a little, I was a little scared, um, uh, and it was very religious. It was one of those um, Exodus International affiliated yeah, we know it well. shut down. Uh, so I did that for two years, once as a student and a year after, uh, while I was teaching part time at the university, and just worst worst time of my life, completely. Yeah, I, I, it, it's always interesting to me that a lot of the uh, Exodus, uh, those that, that created and 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 worked for Exodus International ultimately married each other and then came yeah. out lashing against Exodus International, which they just proved it don't work. Um, That's right. Yeah, so it didn't work. Eventually I got out of there, went to a secular law school where I learned about the world for the first time. Um, there's more than just the Bible and uh, came out, septed myself, and I came back pretty angry. Um, and I said, you know, look, what you guys did to me was wrong and you should stop doing it. And they kind of said, oh, okay, well, we'll listen to you. You know, years of listening and no changes. You out. Mm-hmm. No changes. No changes. And what kind of law did you start with? Did you start right into this or did it, did it dovetail? Well, when I went to law school, I was still in that fundamentalist Christian bubble. So I don't know if you've heard of Alliance Defending Freedom. They're a right-wing hate group. Well, I worked there my first year uh, after law school. Yes, because I was in it. I was in deep. I was at Family Research Council. I was at Alliance Defending Freedom, National Right to Life. I wanted to be, you know, their champion in the legal field. And then everything fell apart. 
um, about, you know, coming to terms with my identity. So I didn't know what I was doing. I got a job at a law firm, big law firm doing big commercial litigation type cases. And then about two years in uh, to that, I started uh, representing some queer folks out on a pro bono basis. So that was about 10 years ago. And for our audience, you know, we've talked about Alliance Defending Freedom with Kim Davis with, in Indiana. They're weighing in on, they write the briefs for many of the trans cases, the Family Research Council. It's very familiar to our audience. So what led to the launch of REAP? So it is, it's essentially a, a few factors coming together. Uh, if you look back over the last 10 years, you'll see story after story of a queer kid getting expelled, of a trans student getting denied housing, of a lesbian being sent to conversion therapy. And for a while I was representing these kids and it was, you know, maybe a one-off. One case here, one case there. Well, 10 years ago, the world was a very different place. That was before marriage equality. You know, the world didn't like us inside of the church or outside of the church. Right. Right. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Well, now the world loves us. And even the church, broadly speaking, loves and has recognized that queer people deserve dignity. But there are a few spaces in America where there are powerful institutions that have a lot of money and big time lawyers behind them at ADF and other places that they're continuing to operate like, you know, like it's the 1940s. And it's just as oppressive. I think of it as like a little, it's like a bastion of oppression in the middle of a country that finally we have civil rights. And so, well, what is a young person to do? You know, they watch Netflix, they see queer people on TV now looking happy. They see outside their dorm all these queer people doing their thing and they have to be scared. Uh, they have to be quiet. They get turned in. I'm, I'm hearing stories over and over, Emerson and Dale. Kids, roommates are turning them in, snitching. And mm. then they get expelled for being gay or being found out to have a girlfriend or a boyfriend. And so yeah. it... It's big. It's a big, widespread problem. And 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 you think you know we th- we go 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 back to our, our good friend Levi Christ, who was at Belmont and his senior year there. He had also gone through a lot of conversion therapy, and then he decided to deal with it. And his roommate turned him in. They expelled him, and he was just short of his. And this was what Emerson twenty years ago, or maybe. Yeah. And yeah. then and and I mean twenty years ago that was happening, but it's yep. still happening, y'all. I mean. Yeah. It's still happening, and so good for you that you're you're repping these, and you've you've created like, like this civil lawsuit now, right? Yep. And, and where are you in that? Where, where, where at what point? At what point of the journey are you with it? Sure. So as soon as I realized that this this was really a widespread thing, we wanted uh, to first we did a survey, um, and we found out that you know there are over two hundred Christian colleges that discriminate openly and continue to expel people um, in the United States and they're all taxpayer funded. And Mm. so that is the issue that we have a legal hook for is, you know, if you're gonna discriminate privately, okay, maybe, but do it on your own dime. Don't do it with taxpayer money. And if you take taxpayer money, then you should be subject to Title IX. And so our big lawsuit is a class action on behalf of the over 100,000 queer and trans students who today attend colleges that say their identities are sinful, are evil. 
that there's something wrong with them, that they can't date, that they should live a life of celibacy or conversion right. therapy. And so our case says, Department of Education, Biden administration, please step in here and court, please step in here and allow these kids to get some basic protection. And I see that you're representing a couple of kids from our, uh, yeah, Rivers and I are both Baylor grads. Yes, so, I spent some time on the campus. You know, and, and oddly enough, I don't know if you realize this, but we aren't their proudest sons. They don't seem to reach out <laughs> to us for like seminars or, or you know, acting classes. or oh, how that is. <laughs> never done one of my plays. Never, never did Sorted Live. I, <laughs> I did get a text the other day from a sweet girl asking me if I'd made my pledge for Giving Day. And I wrote back and said, well, when you give official recognition to the LGBTQ, organization on campus and allow same-sex spouses to have the same health care benefits as opposite-sex couples, I'll be happy to consider that. You let me know. I posted it <laughs> on Instagram, and I had several other Baylor alumni friends show that they had done, like, the same conversation uh, with, with the same girl's name. I thought, this poor girl doing her work <laughs> did not know what she was in for when she signed up to text bank today. Well, right. I, real quickly, I want to tell Paul that years and years ago, right, it was right after Matthew Shepard was murdered, and I had given a lot of money to Baylor over the years because I got a, a free ride there, and, and I was very grateful. And I, they called me for you know my annual donation, and I said, I just want to know what are you doing for your LGBTQ students? I, I need to know that in, in in light of what's going on nationally with this uh, with Matthew Shepard's murder. And and this girl goes, she goes, Oh, this is Baylor. We don't have gay students here. And I said, well, I think you may. I think there may be a few. And she said, well, maybe in the drama department. <laughs> I mean, and I said, well, well I'll she's just not wrong. I said, I'll just give directly to the drama department then. And I can say there was entirely too much talent in the choral music department. But I did want to ask, seriously, the, you know, you've, you're representing students and alumni from uh, some 25 institutions in 18 states. How did you find the plaintiffs? Yes. The specific ones. Sure. Well, a few of them I knew ahead of time. And then I embarked on what we uh, have called my rainbow road trip across America. And I, I took my Tesla from Portland, Oregon, starting in January of this year. And I stopped at 30, 40 different campuses all over the country. And I met with the young people there and I interviewed them and I asked some of them if they'd be willing to be plaintiffs. Some said yes, some said no. Then they would talk to their friends or they would tell me, oh, hey, I know someone over at such and such college the next state over. And then I would go over there. So I spent about two months on the road doing that. And um, after afterwards, we had 33 plaintiffs from 25 different colleges, including several in in California. So I want to ask you, since you did that, has, has there, because I know that there was fear with a lot of them who said no, because they yep. thought there would be repercussions. Has there been any, have there been repercussions against these students or do they feel protected and, and, and empowered by being a part of this lawsuit? That was a very big concern. And in fact, three of our plaintiffs are using pseudonyms. So they're not using their real names and right. the photographs will be taken of them are from the back so that they cannot be identified. And they go to some of the institutions that are the worst, cruelest offenders because you got some institutions like Baylor, which is kind of like the happy, nice discriminating yeah. institution. Yes. <laughs> and then and then you have really bad, dark places like Bob Jones University, yes. Seville University, where they will just kick you out at the drop of a hat and your family will disown you and you will be homeless. And so those kids, we are very concerned. And so we've maintained their um, 
their identity is a secret. For the rest of the kids who are still on campus, um, by and large, they have felt protected and empowered by having this larger community. And you know what, Dell and Emerson, like you, this is probably not shocking to you, but nowadays at these colleges, the faculty are overwhelmingly pro-LGBT, overwhelmingly. The student body, overwhelmingly pro-LGBT. So who, who is it that they really have to fear? Mainly it's the board of trustees and some big time donors who mm-hmm. hold too much control. So we try to step in and make sure that they feel safe, make sure that they, you know, they've got a whole bunch of people behind them. The eyes of America is on these schools. And so that also helps. A few of them have been harassed online though, by some of these, um, especially the Mormon students, the LDS mm-hmm. students, this hate group called Desnat on Twitter. Um, and they come after queer Mormons and they came after our Mormon plaintiff really, really hard. And so we had to kind of intervene and um, first figure out protections. Well, I, I am so impressed with what you're doing. I feel like that you're giving strength and a voice to people who don't have it. And uh, just just keep doing it. I'm just so and I'm also really happy to know a lawyer, you know, because uh, <laughs> I have well, said things and done things. I may just be calling you all. Uh, throw that drink in Richard. After he throws face. that drink in Ronell's face, he uh, may need some help. <laughs> Uh, but I do. So, what's the next? What's the next date? Do you do you all have a calendar date? Where? What's the progress on the suit? Where Where do we go now? Yeah. So we're at the very beginning of our lawsuit. It's a class action. Lawsuits take a very long time to move forward in the courts. The biggest recent thing that happened was about ten days ago, Alliance Defending Freedom in moved to intervene in our case on behalf of three Christian colleges. And they're essentially saying, well, we don't think that the Biden administration is actually going to represent our interests. So we want to come in here and have a say in the litigation. So we're going to be briefing and arguing that the, the Department of Education and the Office of Civil Rights have yet to tell me what position they're going to take. My hope is that they take a position that says we're actually not going to defend the religious exemption to Title IX because we agree with you that it is unconstitutional. Um, but they have until June 8th to decide okay. what their official position is going to be. And that'll be a telling date. Okay, great. So it's, if, if our audience wants to be useful to you, yes, yes. writing letters to the Department of Education, what, what's the things we can do proactively? Sure. Yeah. So our organization is called the Religious Exemption Accountability Project. Our website is, uh, look at that, thereap.org. Thank you. That's beautiful. Um, And yes, we would appreciate contributions. Um, I would say that for folks who can't donate, or even if you can, what we're trying to do right now is get as many stories of discrimination as possible. So if you or someone you know went to a Christian college and you have a story to tell of discrimination, please email it to us. Um, Go to our website and you can email it and we'll connect with you because we want to show that this is not just a few people. It's not just 33 plaintiffs in the lawsuit. And in fact, since we filed the lawsuit, hundreds have come forward and we want it to be thousands because we know it it, it really is that many people. So that would be really helpful. Yeah. And it's real easy, guys. I went there today. You press a couple of buttons and throw in your credit card and you can donate. It's real easy to do. And it's such a worthy thing 
to do. So, if you know, we don't tithe anymore, Paul. So every now and then, I go, well, you know, my tithe is the LGBT show. Well, that's right. Yeah. And I also, of course, you know, because you worked there, but the Alliance Defending Freedom has a big network of donors and supporters. And we want to make sure you have the same strength, both financial and in vocal support. Um, so you all, we will keep you updated uh, with the various steps that they share. But follow them on Instagram. I've been watching the Instagram account. Um, there's lots of places to pay attention that you all will share, right? That we can follow the steps of what we can yep. do on the way. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we're very active on Instagram and we'll be introducing you to each of the plaintiffs over the next couple of months. And you will you can learn a lot more about their personal lives and their, their own stories. And they're really Whoops. A little internet freeze. It happens. Um, and y'all check it out. Do make some kind of donation. You know, Dell and I have talked so much about our own experiences. Um, and there are kids, you often talk about those kids that are stuck in those pews. Uh, these are the kids you talk about, you know, the kids that grow up and come out um, and end up at these colleges, right? I you hear me. But, oh, I'm back. Yeah, yeah good. that's exactly right. It's you're you're sort of like in Dora on Bewitch. You just pop in and then pop right back in. <laughs> so, uh, but but because you have talked about Paul, I've seen on stuff that often this gets missed by a lot of the big LGBTQ organizations because they don't understand how these kids end up here. And it's right. Dell's talked about it in his work. You know, so many kids that grow up in conservative religious communities that this is the place they're led to, and they only first start exploring themselves or considering that when they're at college on their own. And that's why they need that protection in those spaces, right? I'm so glad you brought that up, Emerson. The number one question we get is, what the hell are these kids doing here? You know, why are queer kids at Christian colleges? But the assumption is that they essentially had complete agency and choice in going there. And that's just not true most of the time. You know, fundamentalist Christian families are not immune from having queer and trans kids, right? They have just as many as secular people do, and they're going to always send their kids to these kinds of institutions. So they're always going to end up there. We were never taught that we could go any other place, my brother than, and myself. I never even applied to another college besides Baylor Same. University. And Same. it can be even harder for those kids today because in a world where there is so much representation, there is so much yes. visibility, they can feel so much further from the rest of us because they think I, I, there is an ocean between me and my little world and that big wide LGBTQ world out there. So yep. that's- And they feel, they feel like they're the only one because the schools have made them feel that way. They've created that culture of fear and silence. So part of what we're doing at REAP is we are breaking that silence. We're telling you, we're telling those kids, you're not alone. There are a whole bunch of us, old, young, we're here, we've got you back, you're back. and. Um, that's been really exciting to be able to share that message with these young people. Well, we are so grateful for your message and for you and for just stepping up. And And I'm I'm sorry you went through all the damage, but you know what? The damage is what got us to where we are today and, and, and scream loudly. We have yeah. to continue to scream loudly. Thank you for being well, a leader on this. Y'all check out The Reap at thereap.org and we will pay close attention to this journey along with you. Thank you. Really appreciate oh. it. I someday I want to meet you in person, shake your hand, give you, and just love your neck, like we say. Yeah. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> um, be well. Thanks so much for being with us. Take care. Thanks, fellas. Bye, Paul. Oh, also, 
I mean, Lord, you know, puts us to shame. What's our contribution? These two hours a week sharing the news with you all. And this is his job all day, every day, uh, working for these kids. So, um, yeah, I, just, I really, really loved meeting him like this. I uh, thank you for that, Emerson. You're the one who yeah. who, who got on that. And uh, I, I'm, now I'm uh, passionate as, as well. Uh, real quickly, we have a quick uh, update, uh, which I love this update, out of Clyde, Texas. Remember, remember Tyler Wilkinson, the gay teenager who we told you about who was suspended for wearing nail polish? Well, guess what? He has convinced the Clyde School Board to introduce and accept a gender neutral dress code that now applies to all students. Wilkinson said, I am a, at a loss for the words, for the joy I am feeling on this special day. I am so blessed by the support, love and help I have received through this experience. So yeah, go, go, Tyler. We're so proud of you. I mean, Trevor. I was, I was so impressed that he got that change. I would not have believed in a million years that the Clyde, Texas School Board was going to adopt a gender neutral dress code. I am it's, shocked. I kids mean, are changing their worlds where they find them. I, Emerson, I know Clyde, Texas. I got cousins in Clyde, Texas, and I promise you that they're they're not happy about this. They can so. hear it in the name. Uh, I love that. And then one other, uh, you know, celebration out of making lemonade out of lemons. Uh, down in Australia, Mikey O'Halloran moved to a bungalow on Phillip Island in February, planned to give his house a new paint job with his signature colors, Rainbow. I love that his signature color is Rainbow. When the news of it got out though, uh, five men aggressively banged on his front door. He said one threatened to kill him if he painted his house rainbow. The neighbor across the street said, see what happens if you do. Well, the news got out and a hundred neighbors and supporters showed up to paint his house. Dulex gave free paint and you can see the result on the screen. They did it all in one weekend. He said, after a hurricane comes a rainbow. So much community support and love from everyone that stopped by to say hello today or picked up a paintbrush and helped make my rainbow house a reality. But think about that. He is still going to live in that neighborhood with those people who showed up. Like that is still brave. You know, that neighbor across the street still thinks that. And those 100 people aren't spending the night with you. He is awesome for doing it anyway. It's great. I love, I love how he the house, his hair, and his beard. I, everyone. So, well, do we have time for this last yeah, one? Yeah, do we? it. Okay. Yeah. This is, and just for fun, there's a great headline out of Australia that says, Australia's first mammoth ass already turning heads. It clarifies the cheeky headline saying, mammoth donkey moon watcher, biggest ass of its size arrives in Australia. Now this mammoth donkey semen, you knew we were going to get there. Uh, it re re retails for $450. He purchased for, he was purchased for his size and ability to produce large quality folds. So good for you, you big ass. I know. Mammoth ass already turning heads. Sounds like the slutty summer that everyone's preparing for with the, what, gutting the vaxes and getting out in public. I mean, y'all, this summer is about to be so much. Well, is that is 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 that all? Is that all we got? That's all our stories, y'all. We didn't do a commercial in the middle because you know we wanted to get to Paul. But if you enjoy the news and nonsense we share, 
You can send us a tip on Venmo to at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to Beard Collins Shores Productions at gmail.com. Thank you to Zana, Leanne, Bob, and Kelly for your tips today. Um, we did also get a new iTunes review. Thank you to our iTunes, Pandora, Google listeners, now that we're finally a real podcast. And the title said, The Kathy Lee and Hoda of Queer News. <laughs> Which one am I? You are definitely the Kathy Lee here. <laughs> oh my God. I am definitely the Hoda trying to keep it on track while Kathy Lee's a little tipsy in that fourth hour. With that, with that face work. I had had that. <laughs> Um, but and if and y'all and if you haven't tipped, give it to the reap today. Give to them before you give to us. Y'all know we do this because it makes us feel good about ourselves and gives an excuse to share the stories we love and think you need to hear. And thank to all of our subscribers. The podcast listenership is growing up as well. So we're we're going wide. We're just going big and bold. So y'all, thank you so much. Y'all have a beautiful weekend. Do something fun. Do something sorted. And we Treat will yourself. Yeah, we'll see you on uh, Tuesday. And we'll be back on Tuesday with all the news and nonsense. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>